0: Hello, my name is Steve Pretty. I'm a musician and composer and performer from London. Welcome back to my podcast, Steve Pretty on the origin of the pieces. This is the show that helps you to hear and understand music in new ways. So if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you very much for tuning in and checking it out. If you're back after listening to the last few, thank you very much for coming back. Apologies for my voice today, everyone. I have the thing that everyone seems to have at this time of year, which is the sort of sore throat, cough, cold, flu-y thing. So apologies for that. Uh, The last episode we had some fantastic guests. We had three trombonists, if you remember, albeit some of whom were known uh, less for their trombone playing than more for perhaps, uh, you know, being a commander of the International Space Station, which was the case, of course, for Chris Hadfield. Uh, We had Chris Hadfield on the show, so if you haven't heard that one, do go back and have a listen. Uh, For those of you who don't know Chris Hadfield, he was the astronaut who played um, David Bowie's Space Oddity on the space station Uh, quite something and uh, yeah we had a really interesting chat about changing guitar strings in space and the logistics of music in space and exploration and music and the links between those two things it was really really uh, I found it fascinating and I think some of you guys did as well I've had some lovely feedback about that so thank you very much but we also had of course Rosie Turton who is a fantastic trombone player and composer Uh, and we talked about you know how the trombone works and made some fun and silly noises and some very beautiful noises there. And of course, Steve Thompson from the band 1201 Alarm. Now, you may remember from that episode that Steve had his music loaded aboard the Pegasus Lander, ready to be the first album on the moon. Uh, but unfortunately, if I'm talking to you now in uh, sort of early, mid-January 2024, and uh, yeah, you may have seen in the news that unfortunately that Pegasus Lander uh, did not make it to the moon. It is currently somewhere... Uh, orbiting the moon slash in deep space somewhere, heading heading out across the cosmos. Um, so unfortunately, Steve's music did not make it to the moon this time. Maybe next time. But uh, what an amazing thing to have your music aboard a, a spacecraft, sort of gone AWOL, heading across the solar system to who knows where. So commiserations to Steve, but also what an amazing thing to do, to have have an album aboard a spacecraft heading out. Amazing, amazing. So if you haven't checked out that episode, I do suggest you go back and check it out. Really interesting stuff there. And of course the previous episodes as well. We had in Sawney, we've had, talked about Death Grind, uh, we've talked about um, music from South Africa, all over the place. So yeah please do go back and check those out if you haven't already. But coming up on this episode, after the last few episodes where we've had an amazing variety and number of guests uh, last episode, we had three different guests. This episode, we have zero guests. It's been Christmas and New Year, so obviously people have been busy, including myself. Um, and But also, to be honest, I, I, I kind of wanted to, to just refocus at the beginning of the year. So you have my uh, slightly uh, tired and hoarse and, and coldy voice uh, talking to you in this episode about UK hardcore. You may remember that uh, that was the genre tombola thing that was chosen for me um, a, a few weeks back. Uh, For those of you who are new, uh, every episode I I look at a completely different uh, genre of music as chosen for me by a random list picker on the internet. And uh, this episode I'm looking at UK hardcore. So more of that to come. Uh, We talk about samplers and synthesizers and I make a kind of hardcore electronic version of the theme tune for this show. So stay tuned for that. But first, I wanted to talk about something that uh, I actually did a couple of months ago and I've been meaning to talk about on the show for a little while. But of course, we've been pretty busy with other stuff. What it was, uh, was that a couple of months ago, I went with my daughter's school to uh, the Barbican in London, the uh, Barbican Centre, uh, to listen to the LSO, the London Symphony Orchestra, playing. Uh, they did a special concert, f- especially for primary school kids, and my daughter's seven, um, and her class went, and I I was asked to go along as a musician, uh, and I thought, yeah, what better way of spending a morning? And it was really, really enjoyable, event you might find me on this show sometimes kind of giving the the classical music establishment a bit of a hard time because I think uh, I do think there's a lot that it could do better to be more inclusive to be more welcoming to be less prescriptive Uh, and that's something you know we'll keep coming back to as the show rolls on no doubt but I also think it's really important to celebrate good things when they happen and certainly plenty of good things do happen and this was definitely one of them so the LSO one of the great orchestras in the world of course wonderful orchestra um, and they put on this concert that was based partly around uh, the kids' book, Dogs Don't Do Ballet. Uh, so there's a kind of theme, loose theme around that. Uh, there was a brilliant presenter and they did some music that was based around that book, but also lots of interesting orchestral excerpts. And it was it was just really, really beautifully done. And, and I found it quite moving, really, being there with, with all these kids. I was there, as I say, with my daughter's school, so probably about, what, 50 kids in, in that year, 50, 60 kids. But then it, the Barbican was practically full. And this is Barbican Hall, so around 15 1,600 seats in that room. Uh, and so it was really quite special to be there with all of these kids listening to a full orchestra. And for many of them, it will be the first time not only that they've heard a full orchestra playing, but the first time maybe that they've heard... Any substantial live music at all beyond maybe a you know Busker playing on the tube or something. So it was it's really quite an amazing thing to hear an orchestra, a top notch orchestra, especially in full flight. And so to have that experience at that age, at the age of about, you know, six, seven, eight, that kind of age, it's it's incredibly powerful and very Formative. And I know this because pretty much exactly that experience happened to me. When I was a little bit older than my daughter, I uh, got to meet a couple of musicians from the LSO who came to my primary school. Um, and then we went all, I think the whole year, then went to uh, a concert also at the Barbican Centre. And I remember we, I think we all had to sing or play, all played recorder or something. There's a picture of me in the local paper with uh, this... French horn player and violinist from the LSO, looking very gormless with a very, very sort of early 90s haircut, amazing bowl cut. Um, I remember it really vividly, just this enormous orchestra you know when you're that kind of age you're in this huge concert hall it's really quite overwhelming this massive uh, what feels at the time like an enormous Mm -hmm. concert hall and what feels like hundreds of musicians on stage it's probably only in inverted commas uh, what 60 70 maybe 80 there's still a lot of musicians to experience playing live playing together playing difficult interesting complicated beautiful music and yeah it's an experience that really stayed with me and I think that will stay with my, my daughter as well and her friends. Um, I mean, of course, needless to say, they were completely wrapped throughout, very, very excited and very engaged uh, all the way through the concert. Of course, you talk to them afterwards and uh, say, oh yeah, what do you think of that? How was that? Well, yeah, it was, yeah, was alright. That's nothing more than that. But nevertheless, you know, watching their faces and, and seeing them concentrate on this music in this, uh, you know, very kind of formal concert hall environment was, uh, was really quite something. And Absolute hats off to the LSO for for being so inclusive and doing so well at uh, bringing the kids with them. And for me, above all, for not being afraid to have a sense of humour when it comes to music, because there was a couple of really lovely moments in the show. One of which involved getting a kid up from the audience uh, to do some sort of shenanigans with the presenter and a couple of the musicians, which was really enjoyable. And the other of which uh, was when the harpist—I I saw him sneak off in the penultimate tune. I thought, "Hmm, this is interesting." I want what's going to happen now he snuck off and he came back on um, (laughs) dressed in full dog costume on all fours climbed up the stairs to uh, the Barbican stage and then got up onto his harp and did the most beautiful harp cadenza absolutely stunning harp playing um, but dressed fully head to toe as a dog having crawled onto stage which I thought would be fair play you know you're playing one of the world's great orchestras and you're prepared to put on a dog costume and crawl onto stage in order to help engage young people and kids uh, in, in what you're doing this is not to say by the way that I think music should always rely on, on gimmicks to pull people in but you know we're talking about young primary school kids this might be their first experience of, of music probably almost certainly their first experience of classical music for many of them and so I think humour is fine you know the concert was the concert it was really beautifully done very well played very well presented but i think just using a little bit of humor using a little bit of uh, a light touch it can really really help uh, get kids on board i think in a way there's maybe something that uh, we can learn from that as musicians playing to adults as well i'm not saying we should dress as dogs and as you will find out i think next episode i have worn some very strange things and not worn some things uh, for various concerts over the years. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about that a bit next week. But yeah, I think nevertheless, I think not being afraid to have fun uh, with music is really important. And for me, taking music seriously and having fun are not mutually exclusive. And so I think uh, that's something that we as musicians would do well to remember. We can take our art seriously, but also have fun with it. I mean, it is It's music after all. I mean, if we're not having fun with it on some level... What are we doing it for? Anyway, so there we are. Thank you once again to the LSO for the opportunity that uh, all of those kids had to hear a wonderful orchestra playing live in a concert hall, and thank you to my daughter's school for organising the trip there. Um, and yeah, every, everyone involved. It was really quite quite something, and I'm really uh, grateful to everyone who made it happen because it's a lot of work staging a you know full orchestral concert for 1,500 kids. So well done to the LSO, well done to the Barbican and all the schools and institutions involved. Well, from the uh, glamour and beauty of the concert hall to my shed, uh, I'm in my studio shed today, and I'm going to be talking to you through UK hardcore, the genre that was chosen for me by the genre tombola a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, so I'm going to sort of, I've got a load of gear set up, uh, and I'm going to cut now to uh, a little chat that I had uh, into this microphone uh, a little while ago, talking through the different aspects of UK hardcore. So here we go, here's me in the shed a few hours back what are the characteristic elements of uk hardcore so i'm going to sort of do this in a slightly different way than i've done before I've been listening to a lot of uk hardcore in the last few weeks um and this I'm going to kind of explore different aspects of it, combine the genre tombola aspects, in other words, exploring that genre, with a bit of the music theory section. If you're new to the show, I do this genre tombola, which is where I explore a completely different and randomly chosen genre every episode. But also, I sometimes do a section called music Theory, which is a way of kind of breaking down some of the more technical aspects of music and hopefully making them a bit more accessible for people without any background in music theory. Now, today, um, the music theory is going to be very different from usual because in the past, sometimes we know we've touched on things like scales, on things like rhythms something called Modes we did with and Sawney a few weeks ago. Um, but today, we're going to take a completely different approach because my understanding of UK hardcore and that whole scene around the kind of early rave scene um, in, the, in the early 90s is that a lot of those musicians were not really trained in music theory. I mean, not at all in, in a lot of cases, I think. But it's a completely different approach. And again, it kind of vindicates what I've been saying all along with this show, which is that there are practically infinite approaches to how you can make music and even conceive of music. Um, And of course, with this style of music, it's all made uh, these days on computers. So I've got a computer in front of me and lots of other things. But back in the day, it was mainly made, I think I'm right in saying, on, um, on... Pieces of audio hardware. So that, what does that mean? That means things like samplers and synthesizers and that kind of thing. Believe it or not, in the early days of electronic music, there were computers involved, but they were called Atari's. The Atari ST was a really important um, uh, machine in in all of this, and also the Amiga. For anyone old enough to remember the Atari or the Amiga, these were were kind of beige keyboard looking machines. Um, about what about a sort of a foot deep, I suppose, and you know, and the width of a keyboard, um, and they connected up to you know to primitive computer monitors, um, and you would have to kind of do everything by keyboard, and occasionally, as things got fancier, maybe a mouse could be just about. Out starting to get involved but almost everything was done by computer keyboard and rarely um, musical keyboard although they were involved in, in synthesizers and things of course but it's just a completely different approach to making music and I think that's it, it really brings out what I've been saying all along in, in this show which is that taking a completely different approach to making music cre- is no less creative than uh, sitting down with a score and a pen and writing it out by hand, or, you know, these days um, playing the, the piano beautifully into a computer and that translating into like a big orchestral score or something. And so I think what I'm going to do today is use some of the similar equipment that they would have used then. I'm not going to do everything on an Atari ST. A, because I don't have one. B, because I don't want to learn how to do that on an Atari ST when there's no need these days. Um, But I've got got a few things here. Um, And so as we go through, I'm just going to break down some of the, the things that I'm using and explain very briefly how they work and, and why they're important to this genre and associated genres. I'm going to get a lot wrong, as ever, um, especially as this episode, I, I don't have a guest to, to bounce things off, so I'm going to be working. Uh, I'm going to, if I say something that's wrong, please do let me know. Drop me a line uh, at Steve Pretty on, on social media and we can talk about it uh, next time. I don't profess to be an expert. I've been exploring this stuff myself I know a little bit about this scene, but not really very much at all. Um, So I've been kind of trying to learn as much as I can the last couple of weeks. I think it's probably fair to say that we should start with the sampler, um, because the sampler is what's really, really key to uh, UK hardcore music. And uh, another way of thinking about UK hardcore music, I think, again, could be wrong, but as far as I'm aware, is. Uh, it's called Happy Hardcore, right? So that's one version of UK Hardcore, which tends to have kind of. Slightly hookier, more upbeat sounds than than some of the more the darker kind of um, the hardcore music that can be made so that we 're probably mainly going to be working in that kind of area today um, and i 'm going to be using um, some samples now what is a sample? A sample is a recording that has been made of it can be anything it can be in the early days it was often vinyl records so so dj 's producers would take vinyl records they 'd plug their turntables into their sampler so around me i have a few pieces of what's called rack equipment which is sort of bolted into these uh, big cases um, and these samplers would sort of sit there these big beige samplers and they would have uh, in the in the 90s they would use floppy disks right these little floppy disks um, which uh, for those of you too young to know what those are they are kind of square bits of plastic Um, that can contain for those of you who are computer literate they contain uh, between one to one and a half to three and a half megabytes of data right so they're digital um, uh, bits of gear and to put it in in context uh, if you've got if you've got a standard fairly bog standard computer laptop the minimum it will have these days the absolute minimum on most computers these days in terms of storage is 256,000 megabytes so it's quite a different Set up to you know one and a half or three and a half. I think I'm right in saying three and a half megabytes on these square floppy disks. So they would go into these samplers and you would, DJs uh, and producers would then sample so record uh, music from say a vinyl, from their vinyl collection, a record um, and they would just, they, so they were listening really carefully to, to their record collection, they would think I really like that drum loop there I really really like that, I'm going to use that as the basis of this tune. Um, and we, we haven't got time today to go into these kind of ethics of sampling, it's quite, you know, it can be quite controversial um, when you're obviously using people's uh, music that's already been created but then doing new creative things with it that would Try and deal with that in another episode because it's a really interesting area actually. But um, they would record these little uh, samples, um, and then from that point on, they would mess around with them. So let's hear a sample, right? So this, for example, um, is a, a little sample that I um, found. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't have time to go and record it off a record or anything. But this is one that someone else has recorded, I think, off a record at some point in the in the past, and it, go, it goes like this. So that is uh, a sample that has already been manipulated by someone else, right? So it's a, a recording of some drums that someone has chopped up and then re-chopped into that drum loop. So let's just hear that again. So you can hear it's got a kind of really interesting combination of a very organic uh, drum quality. You know, it's a real, real drum kit being played, possibly then and recorded. But then it's got this very computerised, mechanised, uh, sort of almost machine gun effect as well. Um, and so, what? We, yeah, so we've now got that sample. And what we can then do is chop that up further, right? So we've got that, that sample in the drum loop. I can make... Uh, uh, some chops with that. It goes like this. So on this over here, I've got this is um, it's today. I'm as I say I'm mainly using this in the computer. But back in the day, um, you would have had this big beige box, and you would then try and through little dials, and maybe you've hooked it up to a keyboard or something like that. You would then chop it up. So there's the. Right, so that's the that's the sort of chopped up sample. Right, and then you put that all together, and it sounds pretty much like the original. So here's the uh, here's the original, and here is the uh, the resampled version, the the chopped up. So it's the same, but I, I can then manipulate that. Right, and that allows me to create new drum loops with that. That allows me to manipulate it in all sorts of ways. I can do things like like this. I can get them to repeat, so I can get the... Um, uh, and then, of course, the classic dance music thing, which is so overused it's become almost a cliche. Yeah, so that's the uh that's what you're doing when you you've got this little sample and that's recorded to a floppy disk back in the day um and then played over and over again like that. So played maybe with a keyboard made often with some drum pads. There's a uh, something which we'll talk about at some stage in the future, a machine called the MPC, which is very important to this kind of world and particularly the hip hop world. But um the company called Akai who make these uh, these bits of gear And these days, this sort of stuff is incredibly ubiquitous. But back in the day, this was quite a a technical involved uh, process. Um, Again, maybe these people don't read music, but they are masters of this sound, this manipulating sounds in different ways. So, there we go. That is a, a, a drum sample. Now, of course, that's with drums but you can also do that with um, a more more of a melodic thing, right? And so that's what you find in my listening to to UK Hardcore and Happy Hardcore over the past uh, few weeks. What I'm finding is there's a lot of really unusual samples from really odd places. Uh, the, a lot of the kind of early Prodigy stuff um, has, is created um, with some really strange samples some samples of i I don't know if it's kids tv or um if it's um the strange unusual records or maybe records made for uh for kids to listen to but there's some really weird and wonderful sounds there now today for that kind of more melodic type material i'm going to be using uh very self-indulgently i'm going to be using the theme tune and the intro to this show um so this is how the beginning of the last episode sounds um, by itself. It's the theme. And then it's me. Hello, my name is Steve Pretty. Yes, it I'm is. I'm a musician, composer and performer. So with... that is what I have sampled, right? I, and again, uh, today I'm using the computer to do this, but back in the day I would have uh, played that from... Um, I would have played that maybe off a radio, plugged that into my sampler, and sampled that little snippet of audio. So then, what I can do is then manipulate that recording, that sample, um, in in all sorts of ways. So the minute I start manipulating this, you'll hear there's different ways that it can change, and one of those ways, uh, and certainly the way that would have happened a lot back in the day, uh, w- would be that it the pitch of it changes as you speed up and slow slow down the sample the pitch changes these days uh, that the pitch and time are not as related as they were then but here you can hear as I've manipulated it and, and tried to correct the, the, the timing a little bit so that it's going to be useful for the track the pitch also changes so let's have a listen you can hear the pitch moving My name is Steve Pretty, and I'm a musician, composer and performer from London. Welcome to my podcast, Steve Pretty on the origin of the pieces. Now you can hear the pitch moving up and down there. That's because the way I have um, uh, manipulated that sample is to chop it up into particular bits as you'll hear now. Um, So there's this bit. So that's one bit, which I can then loop round and round and round. And here's the next bit. just the way that works the pitch is slightly different and I'm a musician hello my name is Steve Pretty and I'm a musician hello my name is Steve that bit. Pretty and, and here's a this musician. bit welcome to my podcast Steve Pretty on the origin welcome to my podcast Steve Pretty on the origin and here's welcome the next to my bit podcast, Steve Pretty, of the pieces of the pieces of the pieces the but that has provided us already a lot of interesting things to start with. We've got that drum loop that owes a lot, I think, to um, to things like jungle uh, and, uh, and and drum and bass, which are, are genres, I'm sure, will cover at some stage. Um, but that have, a, I think I'm right in saying, some relation to um, UK hardcore. There's a lot of the time... All of those genres use something called breakbeats, which again is something you can hear in this uh, original loop that we, we, um, we sampled. So you can hear there, there's, uh, that's, that's a, a fairly typical breakbeat. The kind of absolutely stereotypical breakbeat is one called the Amen break, which sounds like this. Yeah, so you can hear it's very, very similar uh, in style to so that. But these, these are all kind of variations of that Armin break. And that was from uh, a record which I think was from the '60s. or '60s, I think, a fairly obscure record. Just a little drum break that, uh, that uh, a fantastic drummer from. I think the band was called the Winston's. I think it was, um, and the drummer for that band just played this really nice drum break. And then 20 years later, uh, various producers started listening to it. And thought oh, we really like this. Uh, and then from from that point on whole genres were born so that Amen break and its derivatives have created countless genres uh, some of which we'll I'm sure look at in this show including this one uh, UK Hardcore so that is the sampler um, we've got the, the drum break as we heard we can break that down however we like and then we've also got the um, the um that melodic break that sample of me talking and uh, of the theme tune to the show so what we can then do is manipulate those in all sorts of different ways so um um, we, if we even if we just play the sample by itself so that's that drum break okay there's that drum break what we can start doing is um, kind of what's called glitching that up so just altering that, changing that around and again these days that's relatively easy to do, back in the day that would have required a lot of programming, a lot of typing and, and maybe you know clicking and fiddling with um, uh, dials on, on bits of obscure equipment, but these days we can, we can sort of chop and change that uh, in quite clever ways using computers so it says like this, here's the break there we are and now I can do this action <laughs> So all sorts of fun to be had with that. And that is a lot of where the, this uh, style and associated styles gets its, its interest, its variation. You've got these beautiful classic kind of break beats that have got a great groove to them, very, very danceable. But then the producers and the, the, the composers of this music then start monkeying with the fabric of that, of those breaks. They start messing around with it until you get something completely different. And it's that... Again, it's that pattern recognition in the brain that we we have uh, for all sorts of music. It's one of the reasons that we as humans um, are so uh, addicted to music is that we're constantly trying to determine patterns, trying to work out patterns from everything we hear. And music, when it's done at its best, I think, operates somewhere between the um, very your brain can follow it so it, it's it's kind of easy to, to understand on one level but then when composers and producers just manipulate that slightly it just becomes, your brain tries to work out these new patterns and it's constantly working to find these new patterns we can also do that with the, uh, the theme tune sample so uh, if we go back to this we just listen to this All sorts of fun glitchy glitchy effects going on here. The musician, hello. hello. My name is Stuck up the digital. Stuck up, Hello, my name is Steve Pretty on the or- Pretty Welcome to my welcome to welcome to the Pretty Pretty Origin. Pretty. Welcome to welcome, welcome welcome to Pretty Pretty Welcome to welcome to welcome to Pretty Pretty Pretty. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my welcome to Steve Pretty on the Pretty Pretty the 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 of the the of the the of the 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 all sorts of fun there too. So we've got the, the sampler controlling that loop of the of the drums and also the the little chopped up loops I've made there of the um, Origin of the Pieces theme. But I've also chopped up that uh, Origin of the Pieces theme into even smaller hello. chunks. We call them slices, right? Hello. So you can hear hello. them. Hello, 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 hello. You can hear hello. them there. Hello. And I can hello. manipulate hello. those. I can change how long they are. hello. hello. My hello, my hello. My name is Steve. Hello, my name is Steve. Hello, my name is Steve. right down. My name is Steve. Hello. And, and as name you name get name as they 따- get lin- smaller, my name. Hello. My name. Hello. My name. Hello. They atra- become just a noise hello, basically. Hello, 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 hello. They start having their own pitch. because those loops go round at a rate of what's called an audio rate in other words it repeats so quickly that it becomes pitched it becomes a pitch noise Hello hello my name is so my name is Steve pretty and my name is Steve Pretty. and I'm a musician hello my name is Steve hello my name just go for hello 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 and what we can then do is turn these, let's turn some of these into Steve, steep, 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 There we go. We've got Steve there. We've got a pretty there. Pretty pretty trim the beginning of that. Alright, and we can again we can go back to it. Find a big end ending that. There we go. So sampler, an incredibly powerful device and I'm sure it's one that we're going to come back to um, at at some point soon in the show because there's really an amazing amount of things you can do with this Um, and when I discovered this um, in my sort of teenage years, I spent many a fun hour uh, finding a little making a little sample and then playing it back on my keyboard, hours of fun Uh, so maybe some of you did that as well with your school keyboards if you had keyboards at school like I did Um, now, the other aspects of course of uh, this music is the Synthesizer. Now, in fact, the synthesizer is so important uh, that uh, Prodigy. I mean, Prodigy. I guess are more of a kind of electronic punk band. That's what they're thought of now. But my understanding, again, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, at Steve Pretty on socials, but my understanding is that Prodigy in the early days were kind of a UK hardcore band, um, and and you know they were certainly very uh, influenced. They used the samplers a lot and um, and synthesizers. In fact, the Prodigy are, are named after. Uh, a synthesizer they're named after a very iconic synthesizer by arguably the most famous synthesizer company in the world and that is Moog or Moog Um, and uh, the the, uh, synthesizer called the Moog Prodigy Um, and they managed to have the uh, license to use that name uh, from Moog Um, and so that it shows you how important synthesizers are now I think for those of you who are listening who mainly you know, listen to acoustic music of whatever sort, orchestral music or jazz or um, folk or whatever it might be, I think synthesizers often can get a bit of a bad name and I understand why that is you know some people think of them sometimes as cheesy or as in some way not real instruments. Uh, I guess you know some people were kind of purists like that I Again, I understand that, but I would I would say give synthesizers a chance because all instruments are doing. Every instrument in the world is a way of humans creating a tool to manipulate sound, right? And sound on a string instrument is created using a string um, vibrating. A sound on a brass instrument is created by vibrating air, vibrate, uh, vibrating lips, and then the, the brass amplifying that. Same with, with the conch shells, of course. Well, I'm a trusty conch shell on my wow. desk in front of me, as always. So that the air vibrates from the lips, and then the shell or the trumpet is uh, amplifying that sound. Um, wind instruments, similarly with a reed or blowing over a, a, a pipe. Um, and yeah, so all of these instruments are are about manipulating vibration in some way, right? And the synthesizer, all the synthesizer does is manipulate voltage, or in the case of more modern synthesizers, uh, digital information, so ones and zeros. But let's just stick with voltage for now. They, they manipulate uh, electricity in order to create vibration. Now, of course, you need to then... Uh, get that electricity out of the synthesizers and into speakers, so they do obviously need some sort of speaker to be able to be heard. But that is that's what's happening: that they're they're using fluctuations in voltage uh, to create sound. So um, yeah, I think it's really worth bearing that in mind when you're thinking about synthesizers. Um, and I've got two synthesizers here, which um, are, they're called analog synthesizers, and that means that they're using voltage rather than ones and zeros to uh, to create sound. Um, and in fact, I do have a Moog or a Moog um, not the Moog Prodigy but I thought that uh, for this tune uh, we should surely use the Moog so I'm going to go up here um, and move over here uh, and play the Moog now what I've done with this is you can hear not a very interesting sound by itself it's just a fairly uh, static sound and I can, I can change that so the thing that's being, uh, that's creating the vibration in the synthesizer is called an oscillator and that is just purely the voltage uh, os- fluctuating, oscillating up and down and that's what creates the, uh, the waveform, the, the, the vibrating air. Um, so here we have uh, four oscillators, so if we, we've got, here's, here's one, and we can have different shapes of uh, sound there, you can have th- this, which is a very sort of pure sound, You've Got this which is a very more kind of triangular sound almost. This is called a square wave. So the the, the shape of the sound is kind of up and down like that. Um, Straight up, across and down, um, and so on. Now what we can then do is we can add a second oscillator and once you do that. You have slight fluctuations between the two and that's where the interest comes in the sound. You can hear already, even though they're playing the same note. Here's the second oscillator by itself. And here with the first one. You've got this slight warbly nature, which is what you get when you have more than one instrument playing together. So you, when you have two trumpets playing together you have this same sort of what's called phasey effect where things are not qu- they're, they're in tune but there's natural imperfections between those two things which can, which can move around and in fact on a synthesiser you can deliberately detune things to get different wobbly sounds okay and then we got uh, the same thing with a third oscillator and a fourth one and of course, that's where the complexity lies. We can you can shape the different uh, way that these um, waveforms are being created, the different uh, vibrations that each one of those is creating, um, and yeah, then combined together they create this very rich sound. Um, so I'm going to do that. But the way that uh, the way that bands uh, like the Prodigy and lots of other similar bands in that in this genre of UK hardcore. Uh, would often do things. Uh, again, it would be sometimes they would be sampling synthesizers or would be sampling pianos. So they might take a sample um, of a chord, just a simple, a simple uh, piano chord. Uh, in this case we're going to do a synthesizer chord, which is going to sound like this. All right, and they might they might take that. And then what they do, rather than playing chords like a normal pianist would, that where it goes, here's one chord, here's another chord here's another chord uh, let's say here's another chord so those are all different slightly different shapes of chords and of course a chord, uh, all the, the word chord means is two or more notes played together so those are all slightly different shapes but what these guys would often do is have one chord so let's say a nice major chord I mean nice it's obviously a bit a bit funky with that sound on the synth but there we are there's that, that sound and then they would just play that up and down in different places so you go so that's that same shape moved around right it's the same shape the same three notes just moved up and down the, the the keyboard so you often hear that in this sort of style of music that kind of thing which is again very different from a lot of styles of music of more traditional music where you're thinking about the harmony where you you move from one chord to the next chord and that creates what's called a chord sequence um, but in, in electronic music in, in UK hardcore and other genres like it None of those things really apply, so that you don't have this traditional approach to harmony at all. Instead, you've got these samples going on, you've got the manipulation of those samples, which might be pitched up and down. When I demonstrate here, um, you can hear that these are not in tune with one another. You can hit. A musician. Hello, all... my name is Steve Pretty on the Origin. You can hear they're all slightly different uh, pitches, and again, that is something that is pretty uh, common in electronic music that the pitch is not really defined. And then you have um, the synthesizers, which again are often playing uh, these what are called you know parallel chords. So they're moving, so they're moving that same structure up and down, and this creates a really interesting effect which is very hard to sort of write down in traditional form so we've got that and then sometimes in this style again particularly the more kind of uplifting side of it uh, as i've been listening to it i think i oh, thought okay there's there's also alongside this slightly um almost sort of unsettling but very dancey uh approach to drum loops and samplers and that kind of thing and these this parallel movement in the in the synthesizer uh, you you have other synthesizers or sometimes uh, pianos or you know that kind of thing playing i guess more more traditional lines over the top of this more traditional chords shapes and that kind of thing and so often you would get something like a string string sound so this kind of thing so a synthesizer a synthesized string sound that kind of slightly spacey thing and that those would often be used in breakdowns which is what I'm going to be using today so we've got all of these different elements to listen out for as we go through the track a little bit of a dive into UK hardcore and electronic music more generally uh, let's hear the track, here we go Welcome to my podcast, Steve Pretty on the origin of the pieces this is a show that helps you to hear. This is a show that helps you to hear. This is a show that helps you to hear. This is a show that helps you to hear. This is a show that helps. the show that helps. the show that helps. the show that helps. the show. This is a show. This is the show. that helps you to hear, understand music in new ways. Orange, 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 orange pieces. Origin pieces. Origin pieces. Origin, origin, origin it's a, it's a orange, 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 orange the pieces. Orange, orange, orange. Origin, 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 Think. Horrid, 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 Origin, origin, or, pieces. origin, origin or, of the. horrid, 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 understand music in new ways (laughs) so there we are i'm not quite sure i'm ready to put down the trumpet and pick up the akai sampler and make my living as a, a uk hardcore producer quite yet but i really really enjoyed putting that together um yeah so i'd love to know what you think of it was i miles off base was i kind of more or less in the right ballpark to know, let me know if you're a UK hardcore fan. Uh, But of course, since we're at the end of that bit of the genre tombola, it is time to choose the next episode's focus. So, here we go. Putting that list of about 1300 genres on Wikipedia into the random list picker. What am I going to be listening to for the next two weeks? Come on, I'm quite ill and tired. Let it be a nice thing. It is going to be... Okay, this is good. Uh, here's going to be Cowpunk. Cowpunk. C O W Punk. Cow punk, C-O-W punk. Cow, which is, yeah, what a better way to start 2024 than spending two weeks listening to Cowpunk. So, oh, that's really tickled me. Okay, so I'm going to be listening to Cowpunk and taking a look and listen to what on earth is going on with that and how you combine those two words. It doesn't seem like an obvious combination. Um, But yeah, meanwhile, uh, the Wilton's show that I've been talking about for the last few weeks uh, is happening between this episode and the next one. So I really urge you to get your tickets. Uh, There's a few left. It's the 20th of January, Wilton's Music Hall in London. Uh, It's going to be really special, I have had uh, some fantastic meetings and chats with uh, the choir, who are going to be absolutely sensational I'm really excited about having them on board um, but also Hackney Colliery Band and uh, doing some new material from our forthcoming record and um, some some older stuff as well reworking it with a little quartet of us just a few of us, and of course uh, Valeria on harp and Chris Lintot, uh, the astronomer we're going to be talking about space and music a bit more so if you enjoyed uh, the previous episode, then you're going to like the that bit of the show and either way uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff lined up uh, a reminder once again uh, there's going to be it's a lots of Patreon stuff happening over the coming months I've been a bit quiet on that front recently but as uh, the year gets going I'm really uh, going to be putting a lot of interesting stuff behind the scenes stuff and extra content songs to download uh, all sorts of stuff on, um, on my Patreon so do sign up for that if you go to originofthepieces.com or if you search for Origin of the Pieces on Patreon you'll find me it's five dollars A month US or the equivalent in pounds, um, and for that, you get all sorts of fun stuff. But mainly, you get to support this independent podcast. There's a lot of very uh, ambitious and exciting stuff coming up for the year, so yeah, all of those uh, contributions really really help me to make this the best that it can be. Right, plugs over. I'm going to go and start my two week listening binge. Uh, of Cowpunk, <laughs> and, and I will see you uh, in a couple of weeks time we're back here as always uh, in two weeks time so that's going to be the 25th of January Burns Night of course although I'm not sure we're going to be talking about that we're going to be talking about the naked gig and the Wilton's gig that I have between now and then yeah that's right I'm doing a naked gig but I will reveal more next time in fact reveal all next time <laughs> it turns out so meanwhile thanks once again for listening Uh, thank you to of course Angelique Kidjo Hackney Colliery Band and the Roundhouse Choir who are now the Filament Choir who you can hear at Wilton's on the 20th of January uh, for the theme song and uh, once again thank you to the LSO and my daughter's school and everyone involved for putting on that fantastic concert at the Barbican meanwhile stay musically curious and I will see you next time bye